Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, how future thinking can help drive sustainability. We will speak to Charlotte Sundåker, CEO and co-founder of Planeton, a futures and transformation agency. In our conversation, we talk about why companies and organizations need to learn to think more about their future, the importance of storytelling to create future scenarios, and how future thinking can affect how we deal with our problems today. I'm Conrad Olsen, Editor-in-Chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with my dear colleague Erik Sedin. Erik, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! What a great time to be alive! Back on the pod, 2023. So I thought it would be a good a good topic to kick off the year is talking about future. There are a lot of people who are thinking about the year ahead right now. Uh, have you have you made any New Year's resolutions? Not really. I have one that I'm trying to fit into an old pair of jeans. That's it, basically. <laughs> when when spring comes, <laughs> aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> So, I mean, we have a lot of uh, companies and organizations uh, listening to this podcast. A lot of people who are taking, you know, uh, taking in our content are working within the fashion industry or the beauty industry or the design industry. And I thought it'd be interesting to bring Charlotte on because they are helping companies, not necessarily that much in the fashion industry. They're working with finance and, and other big corporations, but they're really good at thinking about the future. And you know, we're all about the future on this podcast, and they have a particular method which they call uh, future literacy. So we're going to get into that in the, in this episode. Um, uh, Planeton is uh, a consultancy, kind of a management consultancy. You know, specified or specifically working with with um, transformation, and and we have kind of that that word in common since we do the transformation conference each each year. Yes, and, and I always love that the fact that the Planeton, the name, comes for. <laughs> A marathon for the planet. But before we get into it, I just want to uh, plug a couple of things. Um, we are, as we mentioned before, going to Copenhagen Fashion Week and setting up the the talks program at SIF, the Copenhagen International Fashion Fairs. Yes, sir. It's going to be really exciting. But uh, do you know what we're doing exactly? Can we yeah. figure that out? Well, we're finalizing the program as we speak. I think next week, early next week, we're going to unveil the full program. But we can say that we have three themes. Obviously, um, Copenhagen Fashion Week runs from uh, February 1st to February 3rd. Each day at SIF, we will have a different theme. Uh, day one, it's going to be retail tech talks, talking about the need for innovation in the retail space, specifically the physical retail space. Um, so we have some great speakers on board already, among them Fredrik Larsen, the, the co-founder of Infuturum, uh, kind of a sustainability agency. They wrote the sustainability uh, policy for, for the whole of Copenhagen Fashion Week. Uh, we also have some speakers from within the industry, among them uh, Rasmus Stark-Just, He's the um, head of sustainability uh, at DK Company, one of the biggest fashion brands in the Nordics or fashion corporations. Uh, Day two is going to be beauty innovation. We're going to talk a lot about beauty innovation this year at Scanning My Mind. Um, I'm proud to say we're going to have Susan Schlag, which is the CEO of L'Oreal Nordics. She's going to be there talking about the need for new technologies in beauty. And we're going to unveil our new report, The State of Beauty Innovation, which... Our dear colleague U1 is is sweating himself with at this very moment to finalize. 
Yeah, can't wait to read it. And uh, for anyone thinking about or already planning about going to uh, Copenhagen, come and say hi, swing by, listen to the talks and learn some stuff. All right, before we go on, I think we should just plug some of the things that are happening on ScandinavianMind.com. We've been keeping busy uh, throughout the holidays here, uh, publishing our predictions series. Uh, it's a series that you've been working on quite a lot, Eric, uh, specifically mm-hmm. on the mobility and gaming themes. Can you just uh, walk through some of the insights you've learned or, or the predictions that we've heard from the industry? Let's start with mobility. We have done, during the holidays, uh, four stories in total about uh, the predictions for 2023 for different industries. And I had the pleasure of writing about mobility and gaming. And mobility, uh, we had uh, Robert Falk, the CEO of Ainride, which people of this podcast know about. Mm-hmm. Ainride, the autonomous electrical truck company. We had Jonas Nivang, CEO of Steelride. Uh, the uh, startup they're doing electrical motorbikes. And then we had uh, Mikael Lidelund, who's the head of brand at the Danish e-bike brand Mate, who talk about basically how to get rid of uh, cars in our inner cities and in urban spaces uh, and how they think that should go about. I thought it was interesting. I read the other day that in Milan, for example, they are they just legislated that you can only drive 30 kilometers an hour in downtown Milan. Oh, wow. And if this changes, this is like outside of the Nordics, right? But Something like that sounds like it could be like a Copenhagen thing or whatever. Hmm. How does that affect the kind of vehicles we drive in the city? More of this can be read in this uh, story. Good stuff. And we also had a, a great lineup from the gaming industry, which we published just the other day, actually. Five yeah. personalities from the gaming industry talking about the year ahead. Uh, give us give us some highlights. First of all, I was happy to have a streamer on there. Uh, Michelle Michirage Buman uh, shows he's a streamer. She streams daily playing games to hear her kind of perspective from the industry, not just from these executives sitting on big corporates, because we have some of them on there too. We have uh, uh, Thomas Meltzer, he's from Intel, big uh, hardware company, right? We have some people talking about startups and talking about uh, developers and new development studios. Uh, and that we have Marcus Toftedal. He works at Science Park Huevde and Huevde being like this, I don't know, this like gaming capital of Sweden right now. They're going yeah, crazy exactly. out there. So he shares some some insights on that. And then we also had Johanna Nylander, who is uh, an analytic at the uh, Swedish games industry. So she has a real you know, big bird's eye view of the whole um, what game she's looking forward to, how 22 has looked. And she also goes into a lot of like uh, AI generated content, which she's looking forward to, which would be cool to see. Listeners of this podcast, we, you guys, if you heard the other week before the holidays, we had Justin Hackney on. We talked about how AI can help creative industries. So she talks a little bit about how AI can help the gaming industry. And, you know, a lot more. People should read on with that. And then also, of course, read my dear colleague, Yuan Magnusson's uh, predictions, because he wrote about beauty and about fashion. That was before the New Year's. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of good stuff there. And I do think AI is going to be uh, on everyone's minds this year. It feels like it's going to be like the, the metaverse uh, of, of 2023. If the metaverse was 2022, <laughs> AI is going to be 2023. People are already crazy about what ChatGPT is doing for, for text generation. Um, I've been playing around with it a lot in the holidays, mm. writing uh, Christmas rhymes for my family using it. And, <laughs> and also actually using it for like brainstorming uh, uh, for my clients and stuff like that. So it's already already useful. I'm sure we'll, we'll come back to that topic uh, soon on this podcast. Yeah. Today I read that uh, Microsoft has invested $3 billion more into ChatGPT. You know, people thought it was only going to be $1 billion at first, but now uh, Fortune has reported it's been $3 billion. So 
Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, putting their money into it. I know they're 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 shaking over at Google whether or not this is going to be able to to. They issued some kind of yeah. red alert inside Google because uh, they're super worried about if this is going to take over. Mm. Anyways, uh, a lot going on this year. Uh, there's a lot going on at Scandinavian Mind as well. Again, uh, please visit us at Copenhagen Fashion Week. Um, later this spring, we'll also be publishing the fourth print issue of Scandinavian Mind and we're already working on the next edition of Transformation Conference but we'll get back to all of that uh, during the season super pumped for a new year uh, so let's get into it here now our conversation with Charlotte Sundoker, CEO and co-founder of Planetox enjoy All right, so now I'm here with Charlotte Sundoker, CEO and co-founder of Planeton, a futures and transformation agency here in Stockholm. Uh, welcome, Charlotte. Thank you so much, Conrad. Lovely to be here. Wonderful. Did I get that right? We talked about just before <laughs> we were on air what you are, uh, Planeton. Uh, I believe we should short for a marathon for the planet. I always liked that. I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. But but maybe we should just start by describing Planeton and what you do. Yeah, I mean, I actually like the, the description of Marathon for the Planet better than trying to define exactly what, what are we, because that's, mm. that's a constant dialogue and so difficult to do. But I guess um, a transformation partner would be the most uh, accurate uh, uh, description of, of Planeton today. Um, we work with supporting uh, companies, organizations, and teams in activating and accelerating uh, action towards uh, preferable futures. Mm. So that means a lot of innovation, uh, creativity, collaboration, and, uh, uh, and imagination, actually. Good stuff. We're going to get into a lot of these terms in this podcast. And and the reason I wanted to have you on is, uh, you know, uh, one thing we have in common is the word transformation. Uh, as many people know that, that listen to this podcast, we are hosting the Transformation Conference each year um, uh, for the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people that, that consume our content and, and listen to this podcast are working in the industries. They're working within industries uh, such as fashion, design, beauty that are you know, in the midst of a transformation. Mm. And you recently launched this white paper called The Death of Coffee. <laughs> yes. You're going to have to explain that. Uh, but there's a term in there that I wanted to begin this conversation with, and that is futures literacy and the need for futures literacy. Could you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, I would love to. And I'm so glad that you're bringing up coffee. It's my favorite topic. So <laughs> let's let's dig into that later. Um, so futures literacy is a term that I came across uh, just a, a couple of years ago. And that was more deeply introduced to me by my colleague, Dr. Andrew Mary, who is a, um, a, a scientist and specialized in, in creating futures. Mm. So... Um, Futures literacy is actually a a term used by UNESCO, so United Nations uh, Organization for Education, Science and uh, Culture. And uh, what they mean is that uh, futures literacy is a critical skill that can be and should be uh, learned by everyone. So uh, everyone in a society should have and be future uh, futures literate. And 
what does that mean then? Well, it means that you uh, you can and you do practice uh, imagining and working with future uh, and it working towards a, a clear idea of different futures and mm. that you practice that skill on a regular basis. So it's not about setting out one future and then starting your opening your Excel and start planning your way there, but rather uh, training this as a muscle to work with many different uh, polytopian versions of the future, um, which will make you more ready uh, and prepared for the different futures that might come. And it will also make you better to adapt uh, the the changes that we have ahead of us and um, being able to cope with the volatile uh, uh, things that will happen in your, your surrounding world that in this part of the world will come closer and closer to us uh, for mm. the next uh, coming 20 to 50 years. So, What's, what's polytopian? <laughs> I, I, that, that word stuck out. Yeah, I mean, usually when I when I uh, talk about that we work with creating future scenarios and building future literacy capacity, uh, people are like, but do you create utopian or dystopian futures? Because you want to know, like, All right. are you, uh, do, um, do I believe in a positive future or a negative one? So that question in itself is a big problem and, and mean that, okay, we are not really practicing futures literacy as polytopian futures are uh, not uh, one or the other. It's mm. practicing many different scenarios. And that is what we need to be much better at doing. Um, so uh, that's polytopian is just, yeah, it's not utopian. It's not dystopian. It's many. And can I get really practical as a follow-up? So what are, you know, when, when companies come to you with, with, with some of these challenges, you know, what is typically um, something they need to put in place in order to, you, you, you call this a muscle, meaning something that needs to be kind of ever present, I would imagine, always thinking about future, always thinking about different scenarios in order to, you know, you know better act as, a, as an organization. What is kind of lacking? What is the first part of this muscle, if you will, within an organization that you see? I mean, I think when I mean, I work obviously in the context of sustainability and mm. sustainable transformation. And uh, in that context, we see most organizations, we have uh, deep experts within the sustainability department. So here we have a lot of a lot of knowledge about uh, the the problem. Mm. The, this company uh, has when it comes to uh, sustainability, but they also sit with a lot of expertise and potentially uh, a lot of uh, scientific insights about uh, the possible solutions. But these insights and this expertise sits with a few people uh, and it's not spread out as a common knowledge within the organization, which mm. means that it's not used in uh, innovation efforts, in partnership efforts, in transformation efforts in a daily practice. So uh, it's it's about uh, bringing out the collective uh, in working with uh, uh, creating the desirable futures that this company, for example, wants to see. So an, uh, a specific uh, example 
uh, of that that we worked with, for example, with MasterCard. Um, mm. So MasterCard is a, uh, as I mean, most people know about MasterCard and MasterCard is uh, the partner of many organizations globally and they have a global network of both enablers and merchants and yeah, uh, we all are part of that uh, network in one way or another. So uh, when they want to figure out uh, how to uh, use their unique role as, as having this large network, they uh, work with Futures Literacy uh, to bring on board uh, not only their uh, global team of colleagues, but also with their global team of partners and investors and uh, global management to, uh, to look at, okay, what are possible uh, future trajectories for, uh, for MasterCard solutions? It can be the tech solutions, the products, services, and the potential of different partnerships within their network. So they use um, this way of uh, creating future scenarios and then reflecting and acting on the opportunities that arise with those insights of what could this future be, what could this future be, and this and so mm. on. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Uh, and I think one of the things that I thought was fascinating with, with your report and you go into sort of the, the difference between uh, you have this future cone and illustration and anyone who reads the white paper can see this, but it's, 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 it ranges from kind of the, the projected and probable future up to the plausible, the possible and the preposterous. <laughs> uh, and uh, you talk about sort of the unknowable future. And this is, you know, I'd love to dive into the, the topic of just understanding the future a little bit because uh, most people are right here right now and they look at the the problem that they have you know in right now in their daily life in their daily situation and you know you alluded to that in just a minute ago that that the describing the problem is perhaps the it's an important part but it's the fir- only the first part in in kind of trying to project the future mm. so how do you and there are other terms that are thrown around when talking about this sort of the unknown unknown uh for instance is is something that people talk about when describing the future and and having an, an understanding of that so when when you teach people to to think about the future uh can you explain a little bit how you you go about doing that specifically to someone who who's not well versed within thinking about the future? Where do you start? How do you kind of open their minds? <laughs> I mean, I think uh, visualizations are a mm. really good, like, hands-on uh, way of doing that because imagination is a key component to futures right. literacy. Right. So we we tend to think, I, I mean, definitely in the business world, we t- tend to think about imagination as fantasy you know like mm. what, what yeah it doesn't belong in the world of business and then the world of rationality but it's actually a cognitive uh, ability and skill that can be used for creating futures so starting in in using imagination together with scientific insights is sort of our I mean, the two key components when building uh, future scenarios is to use the, the, the scientific insights and then 
the people's imagination of those different versions of the future that that the cone, uh, for example, uh, holds. Mm. So I can give a, 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 a one example for sure. those who are not in uh, futuring at all. Do you remember the app Face App? I th- no, not really. I I have a vague recollection of what it could be, but it was it was something everyone used for a while, and then it just faded away. I mean, exactly. It's uh, it was like a gimmick, you know. You yeah. you downloaded an app, and then you took a picture of yourself, a selfie, and you could uh, then see versions of yourself as. Uh, your older versions yes, of yourself, right? Mine was so horrible, I didn't even <laughs> exactly. want to share it. I was like, is this me? <laughs> exactly. So like more leaning towards a preposterous future there, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, so what, what uh, app, uh, FaceApp was actually about, which uh, not very much people know about, mm. is it was part of a, a scientific study. So a researcher decided to explore the connection of a person's um, idea of and possibility to see an older version of yourself Hmm. with related to pension savings. Hmm. So uh, by creating this app, they could study uh, whether or not uh, seeing this older version of self would mean that people would actually save more uh, to their pensions. All right. Uh, I didn't know that. No, so we all thought it was a fun thing, but uh, what the result of that study was that, yes, people who used the app did start to save more for their pension. So it's very natural to to have a stronger relationship with your current self than with Mm -hmm. your future self, right? Because you know your current self very well, but you don't know anything about your future self. But... Uh, by getting a, a, just an image of your future self, we got a stronger relationship to our future selves. So if that can be done with just an image of ourselves, what would happen if we create those images and get to look, feel, smell, uh, listen and experience versions of not only ourselves, but our family, um, our communities, our societies, our future businesses and yeah, the future world. Uh, what, uh, how could we get a stronger connection to future generations and, and our planet through futuring? So that's a very... Yeah, silly example, but well, it's a clear example of visualization and how obviously visualization can change how you act today. Yeah. So, how do you how do you propose companies and organizations do this? How do you visualize your future, and and on what basis should you should you do this? Is it a monthly basis, yearly basis? Is there like a, an audit you should do? We, we, we're doing this podcast in the beginning of January, so a lot of people are thinking about the year ahead right now so when you advise companies you know is there a process you follow or or talk about the, how it's done yeah it's it's uh, it's definitely a process uh, we call it uh, uh, and it's an d- adaptation of a scientific study uh we called cli-fi prototyping mm. so 
Uh, it's about uh, using uh, the scientific insights within an area that is relevant for uh, for the company or the team uh, specifically. And then we uh, create uh, possible uh, future scenarios from those scientific insights. And then we start exploring what those futures would mean. And together with the imagination of the teams, you can create really rich and detailed possible uh, futures and also create desirable futures. And these obviously can be the foundation of a company's mission or vision and uh, bringing engagement in all your teams internally, but also investors on board and in brand and communication. And yeah, so it's a it's a great starting point for uh, setting your strategic agenda, uh, mm. but also yeah, getting commitment uh, to yeah to kickstart your transformation journey or speed up your transformation journey. I'm sure the the companies that you work with obviously are they are open to this process and open to thinking and at least they want to if they work with you guys do, do you have a sense of you know generally uh, and you can pick any industry or or just give any example of you know how good or bad are organizations or companies at, at thinking this way uh, do you have a you have a sense of that um, is there data on that uh, I'm, I'm sure maybe it's it's a more abstract thing but but I'm curious to see if you have uh, any insight into how future literate are we in the business community? I don't have any data on that, uh, but I, uh, my sense is that there's a, I mean, there's a lot of uh, interest, curiosity, engagement and dedication to mm. uh, not only transform your business, but being a positive contribution to the yeah. world. So that is something that I I see is a genuine desire within uh, companies. We work mainly with large companies, and mm. and uh, and there I see that you know there's a, a a really big desire to to do change, and then going from that ambition uh, and desire and put that into action. That's the big tricky part, right? And that's what you work with every day, uh, just as I do, and so many others. So supporting that transformation to actually happen, and uh, and yeah. So that's uh, what I see is in these companies. Uh, many of them have actually already started to. Uh, commit to, for example, science-based targets initiative. They set up science-based targets, so they have their goals and and uh, uh, and they have the set that ambition agenda. But then, going from that to not only take uh, incremental steps and thinking that it's business as usual, but we just need to add on. Uh, the sustainability layer and Mm. instead uh, okay figure out how do we actually need to transform the organization to be able to reach these targets and we are right there because what I've sensed for the past uh, three years is that companies have increased their uh, uh, ambition and agenda but are still trying to do things within the operations they have today. So this is where we're going to have to see a shift, a, a drastic shift for the next next couple of years. And the companies who will not do that will die 
um, it's it's very similar to uh, the digital um, uh, revolution and transformation uh, journey that so many companies had to go through and so many died on their way, mm. uh, uh, not trying um, in uh, transforming. Uh, I worked almost 10 years at Hyper Island, so we work very, worked very closely with that uh, digital transformation. And uh, it's very similar in this. If you consider this a... A, a, a issue that we can just put into our routines and processes and practices as they are today, you are not going to uh, succeed. But if you put uh, these issues, uh, sustainability issues in the core of your business model and uh, think about uh, and create transformation journeys uh, on how to to adapt and change the, uh, your organization to work with those uh, business models, then you're going to have to have a chance. And that's going to happen a lot through uh, partnerships, obviously. So that's a, a big difference in this transformation versus the uh, digital one that yeah, it's going to need uh, large scale partnerships and also working a lot more with the collective uh, intelligence and action with the teams. Got it. Well, change is hard, obviously. And, and as you said, you need to make this part of your whole organization and whole, your whole life. Uh, you mentioned something earlier that I want to sort of go back to, and it alludes to storytelling. You, you call it uh, cli-fi, which is climate fiction. Uh, why is storytelling so important in these processes? So a uh, part of actually uh, empowering uh, many to do change is for many to actually understand mm. what is the change that needs to happen. And here we have a lot of complexity. So it's very difficult to learn about uh, the complex uh, systemic issues that we are facing. So um, what I hear a lot is like, oh, let's make it easy for consumers to do right. And that's, uh, that's a great ambition. But we are also, we're not only consumers, we are also uh, producers and change makers in the companies we work. So we, the companies need to figure out what is our unique role in a large scale transformation and what am I, what is my contribution uh, into that? And to be able to know that you need to have uh, some understanding of these issues. So in short, climate, what, what is climate fiction today is climate fact tomorrow. Mm. And in climate fiction, you get to learn about the challenges that will be your re- tomorrow, that will be your re- reality uh, then. Um, and uh, I can take the uh, example of coffee as you brought that up uh, before. Uh, yeah, I was it's gonna just ask a, about that. Why yeah. coffee? <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a story. Uh, it's a storytelling example that I like uh, because it's again it's simple and it's very deeply rooted into uh, my uh, everyday life. Coffee, as we know, many of us love coffee and me and millions of others in Sweden and around the world. And uh, coffee is also 
uh, a crop that grow on the other side of the planet. Mm. So uh, usually it's uh, we, we grow like two different types of, of coffee crops. Uh, so it's of, often b- large uh, monocultural plantations, which means that it's just one or a couple of different crops that grow there. So these crops get super vulnerable for... Um, Uh, pests and other disturbances in the ecosystem and they grow in areas where they which is very um, uh, attacked by and affected by uh, the climate change so a lot more than we see here today we see where our coffee uh, uh, crops grow so when we try to fight uh, uh, these pests with pesticides, we continue to, um, uh, to damage the local ecosystems. And as um, the temperature of the planet uh, 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 gets uh, uh, hotter, then uh, we will, uh, in the end, not be able to grow coffee um, in the soil, will not be able to grow this coffee. So... Uh, something that is part of our culture here and that we don't see the effect of today we will have and we will see the effect of in 30 to 50 years from now when we will not be able to grow coffee anymore Um, and here with that insight you get sort of like a systemic learning so just by telling a story about coffee you understand for someone who is not into complex systemic uh, sustainability issues you still can understand that okay Mm. something is growing there i'm dependent of it my body but also in my culture and it's going to affect me so what can we do so we can for example say that oh but then we need to find uh, new places to grow. We're not going to be able to grow in Brazil. We have to move uh, the crops to somewhere else. So that's one way of solving it. Another way of solving it is to say that, oh, let's try to innovate new drinks. What will we replace coffee with instead? So that's another way of thinking about um, innovation and product innovation in relation to that story. And a third that I would prefer, obviously, is to like, okay, um, how do we change our lifestyle here to be able to continue drinking coffee uh, mm. in the future? So that's a different type of question. Well, the notion that we can't grow coffee anymore scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> so Me too. Let's me get on too. that one. Um, so a lot of listeners to this podcast are in the fashion industry, uh, beauty industry, design industry, uh, sort of what we call broadly sort of the lifestyle industries. I know, I mean, you work across many different industries from finance and, and, and uh, um, food and, and so forth. Uh, you know, what would be your start? Is there any insight you can share or, or a starting point you would um, advise someone from the fashion industry when, when entering into this, this notion of, of futurist literacy and thinking more, you know, specifically about transformation? I'm curious, any insights at all? I think since you also work a lot within design, I think it's about a lot about uh, designing for uh, for for the future. 
So leave the present and start building uh, the future that you want to see and then back cost from there. So um, I think that's my best, <laughs> my, my, my best recommendation because if you start with, oh, where are we at now? You're going to get very quickly stuck in where you all the hinders and challenges of today. So mm. I think it's all about that um, creating the desirable futures that you'd like to see and then uh, quite uh, quickly start looking at, okay, so what is our unique role of, and uh, capacity and capability of uh, solving uh, towards these futures? And where do we need partners? So mm. where do we need partners? And where do we need innovation? And where do we need tech? Because I, I know you're also into tech a lot. Uh, and uh, I... I mean, we know that tech is definitely an enabler uh, for this transformation, even though we should also consider, uh, again, with the uh, systemic lens that, okay, when we are developing uh, tech solutions, have we thought through um, what that solution will actually affect in a different uh, part of the value chain or in the system. So it's very important to take that systemic approach when deciding to go for, for a tech solution. Got it. I mean, you started Planeton, um, uh, is it five years ago now? on you call it the mission of making scientific insights more accessible mm. i'm curious from your own personal perspective uh, when looking at new technologies or new uh, uh, scientific breakthroughs is there anything that excites you uh, extra much right now anything you're looking at any developments that are, are super exciting to you personally any new technologies me personally, I'm very intrigued by AI and the possibilities mm. of AI. We work with generative AI um, in, in uh, creating future scenarios, but I'm also uh, very much into uh, other applications of AI. And I have uh, kids at home, so just using like Bricket, an app that can uh, help you sort in your big pile of messy Lego. Um, I think all parents can relate to like, yeah, how do we find creativity in this uh, big pile of uh, just small bricks? Right. But using using an AI camera that can support you in, okay, these are the pinpoints and these are the potential uh, things you can build with this pile of, of uh, bricks and then just helping you find it. So, I mean, with all this, you can find this little piece and this little piece and then give detailed instructions on how to build it. It creates a completely different uh, experience. And, I mean, this could also easily be be used for um, in the context of a beauty industry and for uh, using that type of AI camera for skin complexity uh, mm. of beauty or um, color analysis or yeah, finding and matching the right products with your need, for example. So uh, I don't know how much that is developed, but that is definitely an application in, in beauty. Um, but I mean, obviously, for me, as more of a 
save the world nerd, uh, I would uh, uh, use it more for like waste analytics, which is, uh, I mean, there we have great solutions coming up with uh, finding, identifying waste and and sorting and finding and, and using AI for those purposes. So it's just also really inspiring, I think, to see the application of of AI in one area and see, okay, so if we take that application of the brick, uh, the Lego bricks, for example, how mm. can we apply that technique to uh, the challenges we have in our organization, for example? Super exciting. Now, there are actually things happening on the AI front. There are a few companies working with AI-driven tools to exactly what you said, sort of analyze skin uh, conditions and and so forth. Um, I'm also very interested in that uh, waste uh, analytics. Uh, and obviously, we I've been tooling around with this Chat GPT all Christmas. Yeah, now, me uh, too. Since, you know, I'm a writer, so I'm rapidly seeing my own profession going down the drain, uh, or <laughs> as I'd like to see it, a, a new kind of tool um, for for the future. Yeah, it will let you focus more, even more on imagination and creativity and driving change and continue to inspire others while chat uh, GPT can do a lot of the uh, boring stuff for you. Exactly, exactly. I also wrote some Christmas rhymes uh, with using chat GPT, which is very entertaining <laughs> for the whole family. Um, we, we're going to wrap up soon. I just wanted to end. Speaking of, of storytelling, you have a collaboration of sorts uh, with uh, Spotify. Mm-hmm. And uh, as part of this uh, white paper, there's also some content you can uh, consume there. Can you explain what, what that is and, and how people can find it? Yeah, sure. Uh, so together with Spotify, uh, we at Planfund created a number of uh, uh, scientific uh, scenarios, uh, future scenarios, and uh, uh, and then we let um, uh, three different uh, writers write uh, inspiring stories from those scenarios, and then three different actors telling those stories. So we have three episodes uh, on the future. So it's actually science-backed futures. So mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's a fun uh, and intriguing stories, but it's also to learn about that. I mean, it's sort of the coffee example learnings about how could a future look like. So it's called 2072 and it's a Spotify original and it's on, on Spotify. And um, the white paper that you have referred to, it's called The Death of Coffee? Question mark, And it's about our approach of science-backed uh, and imagination-led futuring for transformative businesses. So uh, it's a... Uh, uh, it's possible to download it from our website, planathon.io. Uh, and uh, if you want to discuss it, you're more than welcome to contact me. Just email me on charlotte at planathon.io and I'll, uh, I'll dive into all, all discussions you would like to have. Good stuff. Charlotte Sundok is the CEO and co-founder of Planeton, a futures and transformation partner here in Stockholm, Sweden. Charlotte, thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for speaking to me. All right, that was our conversation with Charlotte Sundoke, CEO and co-founder of Planeton. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter. Visit scandinaviamind.com slash newsletter not to miss out on any content or any activities coming out of Scandinavian Mind. Again, there's a lot happening uh, this year 
at Scandinavian Mind. Don't miss us at Copenhagen Fashion Week on February 1st to the 3rd. Um, until next week, goodbye. Goodbye, see ya.